millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome back. My name is Todd Nettleton. You know, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Of course, we know that Jesus wants us to love our family and our friends. But our love for Jesus needs to be so much greater that we are willing to sacrifice other relationships in order to be faithful to him. This is not a theoretical discussion for his disciples in North Africa. They really do need to be willing to sacrifice relationships with their community and even their family for the sake of following Jesus. Our guest today is going to talk about that. For his security, we're just going to call him Brother Shakir. I recorded this conversation on the road in North Africa, so you won't hear a studio-quality recording. And we're going to change Shakir's voice to just help protect him and the work that he's doing. Let's listen as he shares about the cost of following Jesus. How long have you been walking with Christ? I think it was since 2011, so now it's around 12 years. And how did you hear the gospel? So I heard at the beginning from a friend, a Christian friend, who was arguing with another friend of mine. So they were arguing for 10 years, and they didn't participate to the discussion. And in 2011, my Muslim friend came to me and said, I will be a Christian. It was shocking to me and I tried to convince him to go back to Islam, but I was convinced about Christianity and, and gave my life to Christ. What was it that convinced you? So I think the love of God that God chose to us in the Bible is the main thing that convinced me. So at the beginning I was reading the, the Bible and comparing a lot of the, the principle with the principles of uh, Islam. And uh, it showed me uh, the character of God, more obvious that Christianity and the Bible is the truth. I read many, many times at the first month the New Testament specifically. I struggled with some things in the Old Testament, but I prayed to God and uh, he helped me understand them. And after that, I was one day struggling with this idea and praying. But convinced about Christianity, I read and studied the Bible for months now. But that day, I, the idea came to my mind. It's not possible for God to come in the flesh to show his love for us, for a certain reason, to save us. And to show us who is God and how a man should live in, on earth. And uh, one verse we find in Luke when the angel was speaking to Mary. So the verse say what's impossible to man is possible to God. 
and he, he was speaking about how she will be pregnant, how Christ is the son of God. That's, that's my story. And that day I was saved. I was free and I was very, very happy and filled with the Holy Spirit. So when your Muslim friend, after 10 years, decided to follow Christ, you tried to talk him out of it, said, no, no, no. Did people around you try to talk you out of it as well? Of course. For you, was it mostly people talking to you or were there threats? Were there like, no, you have to come back? Or what was your experience with that? It depends on people. I think I met many categories. The hardest one is family because there's this emotional pressure, let me say it, specifically with my mother. It was like rather me or Christ and I choose Christ and uh, today uh, she is uh, more happy to see me a Christian. So she has softened over the years. Yes, yes. I, now I found grace in her eyes <laughs> and she knows about my life and church and my wife also is Christian. What does it mean to you to have a relationship with your mother again after her being so forceful against your faith? Uh, it means that God is sovereign, first of all. When you say the, the truth, it's obvious. You have to be faithful to God. And that's, that's very important. Even if we have threats or emotional pressure or this kind of things, but uh, I think faithfulness to God will lead us to find grace. Your experience was 10 years of, of hearing these arguments and then you made a decision. Is that common among the people that you work with here, is that it took a long time and a, and a lot of discussion? Or is it you know, like a dream or a, a one-time thing where they quickly make a decision? Which, which is more common? Uh, so so I, I would say I, I didn't listen to discussion for 10 years. I was avoiding it. I didn't listen and that's because of fear and uh, emotional pressure. But what convinced me is the Christian guy, when I was seeking God, he was always talking about God is love. And I was very afraid to think about God other than Islam. But this sentence came to my mind and freed me. If he is love, he will want us to seek him as he is, not because we were born in a certain society or religion or any kind of worldview, let me say. So if God is love, he wants a relationship with us and he wants us to seek him. To seek him not because of our families or region or geography. He's beyond that. And his love encourages us in our fears of seeking him because it's fearful to face all these beliefs or worldview that you were born in. One of the questions I often ask and I will ask you as well is how as you're ministering to Muslims who are thinking about making this choice, how do you prepare them for that pressure and, and for their mother to turn against them and their family and maybe their job, maybe their coworkers? How do you get them ready to face that but still be faithful? I think I don't get them ready to face that, but sometimes I struggle because I know that when I, I say, the truth or the, uh, share the gospel with those people, I know that they will face trouble. And sometimes I pray for myself 
to say the truth, and that's very important. You know that you're making their life harder in the short term. In the short term, it will be hard, but uh, this hardship, we call it hardship, is meaningful. It has meaning, and it's beautiful to, to suffer for Christ rather than to, to suffer for sin or uh, other things in this world. And we understand that when, when we came to Christ. Not before. Before we are struggling and we are, we are afraid, we will face many uh, things, but God will be with us. And that's one of the things that we can share with those people in their fear. And also we share love and we share our testimony, our experience with this kind of things, because we have experience and that encourages them to, to make the, the, the choice. The choice. It's interesting that you said it's a beautiful thing to suffer for Christ. Talk a little more about that. Like, like what do you mean by that, that it's a beautiful thing? I think uh, everybody suffers. And the Word of God in Romans says that everybody is suffering. I think it's, it's Romans 8. Suffering has to have meaning. And like in sports, athletes suffer and they have a hard discipline, but they have a goal. And what uh, is lacking in this world is goal. Satan is keeping people from having a purposeful life. And I think the purpose of life is God himself, is to know him, to know God. And if we suffer for that truth, suffering is something beautiful. I remember when I was arguing with my mom, we were both in tears. And she was, she was saying to me, me or Christ, you have to choose now, rather me or Christ. And it's difficult in our context that the mom say to you that sentence. And she wasn't here, that pressure. And I think if I denied Christ that day, she will never have a chance to know him. I will live with the burden of denying Christ rather than uh, small suffering. It's not small, it's a big at that time, but after many years I say it's, it's something beautiful that happened that day. And th that burden of denying the truth and denying Christ is, uh, is more than living in a comfortable situation with my mom, for example. When people in your congregation are going through that right now, how do you come alongside them and encourage them and help them? So, uh, I think we go in a biblical way of it, if it's possible. If the person is not in a fight-flight mode. I think compassion is uh, the first thing. And you say to people that I understand what you're struggling with. And God knows, and He is with us in this. And He has suffered also for us. And he was the one that doesn't deserve, the only one that doesn't deserve suffering. He, he, he took the, the path of suffering and obedience till death, as Philippians say. I think also I go with some passages so, uh, talking about uh, persecution, where specifically Christ talking about persecution. I think it's Mark 10. Yes, in this world you will have trouble. Is that... So uh, there's no... Um, Disciple, disciple is not greater than his master. Happens to the master, will happen to the disciple. So we go through the scripture after the compassion that will help people go out of the fight-flight mode, because compassion <laughs> helps them. 
and after that we can go through the scripture and pray about it and it's it's very helpful helpful to go through the scripture and i i notice that people are very strong in faith after going through uh, persecution or their character is uh, sharpened you've been following christ more than a decade is it changing how families respond or how the society responds? Are, is it becoming a little more acceptable to follow Christ or it's still absolutely taboo? Uh, I think it, it, it's becoming more acceptable for the new generation, specifically the people that are under 30. We see a new generation more open-minded, doesn't care, let me say a lot about religion or your belief. They see it more as a private matter, like it's between you and God and, and I don't worry about it, or they just see it's not that important to me what you... There's different categories they see and it's something private or something special or it's normal, you, you, you are free. And I think they don't know a lot about religion also, so they don't have a point of view on this matters. So as that changes, is it making evangelism easier? Or do you see more openness or? I think it's more, uh, more easy, it's easier now. And uh, people are more open. But that doesn't mean that they will give their lives to Christ. And that's the, the hard thing. And it's, it's I, I understand this. So what is the key as, as you're sharing with Muslims What's the key thing that you're trying to accomplish or, or the, the point you're trying to make or the truth you're trying to tell them? What are like some key things that you want to get across? Or is it different with every person? I think it's, it's different with every person because I believe that the Father attracts us to Him. And when we meet those people, you see that the God has already done many things in their lives and they came to the point that they are ready to give their lives to, to Christ and to be saved. So I think everybody is, is different, but love, compassion and saying the truth is going together. What's the hardest part of your ministry? U unity and maturity of the church. Do you see a difference in your time walking with Christ in how the government is responding to new believers and to the church? Yes, I think uh, I see difference. Before it was hard, but now it's better. So even the government is a little more accepting of the idea that there could be Christians here, people from this country who are followers of Jesus. And I would say he's not accepting, but he's tolerating more. Tolerating. More tolerant, yes. So, does that make your work easier? I think so. Okay. I think so. What is, so I asked what the hardest part of your job is. What's the best part of your job? The best part of the job is when you see people thriving in Christ. <laughs> you see people happy, not because they don't have struggle in their life or suffering, but because it's meaningful in Christ. Mm -hmm. They have the presence of Christ even in the midst of their suffering. So one of the things we do for our listeners is we try to equip them to pray. So we're going to ask them this week to pray for believers in North Africa. Help us pray knowledgeably. How, how should we pray? How can we pray for the people in your congregation, the people in this nation who are following Jesus? So I think we, we should pray for the, the economy of the country 
because it's uh, hard now in uh, our countries. We should also pray for uh, maturity uh, of the church and Christian, uh, more mature believer to take care of other believers, more leadership or I would say more eldership in the church and also praying for unity because unity brings people together. You mentioned leadership. What is the process of raising up leaders within the church here? So for, for now, we don't have a process because we're not a historical church. Uh-huh. And that's what one of the challenges. So I asked four years before uh, ago uh, about how, how we're going to raise elders, elders in this country. Now, of course, God has been faithful. He raised some. But there's no way for us as churches to raise those. And we're trying, we're trying, but it takes time. To build that structure takes effort and time. And so that's something we can pray about. Yes. How can we pray for you and for your family and your ministry? Pray, praying for uh, mental health, because it's a very uh, tiring uh, job. Pray for health also, (laughs) and the power and guidance from the Holy Spirit. It's such an honor for us to be here with you. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony, sharing your story, and helping us to pray for the church in North Africa. Thank you. It's a pleasure for me to share my story and hope it will help others to uh, gain or to grow in Christ. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us, As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio. Voice for the Persecuted.